more. Hey there, I'm Christine, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Equip and Empower podcast. Now, my prayer is that our time together each week encourages you, awakens you to the purposes of God in your life, and activates you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly as you live on mission for Him. I am so grateful that you have joined me today. I know that God has a word for you. I'm believing God that this is gonna speak straight to your spirit today. We are talking about the key to abundant life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says that the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. And I love this, and life more abundantly. So who doesn't want to know how to live the abundant life that Jesus has called each and every one of us to live? Now, I'm wondering whether there's anyone else beside me that has almost killed yourself taking a selfie, like literally just standing on a cliff's edge, taking a selfie. Now I've been doing so much uh, hiking and hiking various mountains over this last year of my life. And I was hiking up Bishop Pass Trail in the Eastern Sierras. If you've never gone, you've got to go. It is so beautiful. But anyway, I stopped on a ledge as we were hiking up to the summit as you would. And I was obsessed with getting the right angle, making sure that I had the mountains behind me and having it that what I didn't realise was literally I almost fell off the ledge. And just because I was more worried about the selfie and they're like grabbing me, pulling me in. I am the worst selfie taker on earth. It's like I stand there and I'm like, my arms are so short that nobody can fit in the picture. And everyone's like, uh, Chris is not taking the selfie. Anyone with the longest arms is. And, and I always have to ask someone else to take the picture. My, my kids are mortified. They think like, mum, how can you do what you do and not be able to take selfies? And there is no doubt that selfies are, are an obsession in our generation, truly. Millions, multiplied millions of selfies are uploaded every day on the different social media platforms. And we're obsessed with it, we truly are. And we say like, I want this to be an authentic, spontaneous, just really true selfie, but we've got to get outside, we've got to get the right light angle, we've got to edit them the right way, we've got to crop them the right way, we've got to put the right filter and just go, hashtag spontaneous, most authentic me. And then we make sure that it's got enough likes and if it doesn't get them quick enough, we get it down and we put up another one that's even quicker. So it cracks me up because it's not authentic and it's not spontaneous. But the reality is that the psychological impact of selfies leaves basically selfie users feeling more anxious. All the studies are out. It is stunning to me what the studies show more anxious and less confident and less physically attractive. Posting selfies actually results in a worsened mood and and worsened body image. This this kind of obsession with curating a a beautiful public profile and, and placing ourselves in the middle of everything is actually not really working for us. The data is in. And it shows that this doesn't lead to greater fulfilment or or greater peace or or greater joy or happiness or or significance or purpose. You know, we might get a bit of a dopamine rush for a second as we see those likes come in, but then we have to come up with a better selfie than the last one so that we can get that rush all over again. If we don't get the instant feedback, then 
that, that we're desperately craving, we, we get in and we take that selfie again and again. And it's said that this selfie generation is the most prominent phenomena of the 21st century. I was reading an article in the New Yorker and they actually posted an entire series on why millennials especially are drawn to the selfie culture. So this obsession with trying to prove that we're awesome, that we're special, that we're perfect, you know, it's literally leading to mental health issues. There is something that is not working. The, the, The selfie is not delivering in the 21st century. And today we're, we're going to turn to the most important scripture, I believe, on discipleship in the whole of the New Testament. You know, at a time in our world when we are encouraged to find ourselves, to, to be self-fulfilled, to be self-actualized, to protect our self-image, to boost our self-esteem, to be self-assured, to be self-confident, to be self-determined, I am actually going to speak about the benefits of dying to self. In Mark chapter 8, I love this, in verse 34 to 38, this is literally a turning point of Jesus' story. In this chapter, Jesus has been so busy. He's fed 4,000 people. He had a confrontation with the Pharisees. He, He healed a blind man at Bethsaida. He listened to Peter confess him as the Messiah. And then Peter actually rebukes Jesus after Jesus tells them about the suffering and death that he must go through. And and Jesus tells Peter to get behind me, Satan. I mean, it is all happening. And now Jesus teaches what it really, really means to follow Him and to be His disciples. He says, And He began to teach them, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And that's when Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He goes on and says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what man? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Powerful. In this passage, Jesus says that if anyone is going to follow Him, there's a particular way to follow Him. The term follow, I know, is very skewed in our world today, mostly because I think of what associations we draw with it because of social media. We just follow and unfollow people with one click all the time. And, you know, the fact of the matter is to follow someone in biblical times, to be a disciple was actually to be a learner, it it meant a life of commitment, a life of dedication and a life of devotion. You were all in. You had skin in the game. You didn't just unfollow. Jesus says that there are two things that we must do if we're going to follow Him. Firstly, we must deny ourselves. and, And secondly, we must take up our cross. 
Now the order is really important here. First, we must empty ourselves of something. That's self. And then once we've emptied ourselves, we must put on something else and that's the cross. You see, you cannot carry both the cross and the self. In fact, in the original Greek, these steps are stated in the present continuous tense. That means keep on denying yourself and keep on taking up your cross and keep on following me. This is not the decision of a moment, follow, unfollow, but for a lifetime to be repeated again and again and again. I'm not sure there could be a more countercultural message to our generation than this one right here in the Gospel of Mark. But the truth is this actually would have been just as challenging to these followers of Jesus as it is to us today. Every single Jesus follower comes to a place where we must decide to step over the threshold from being a spectator at Christian events to becoming a participator in the journey where we go from being a part of the crowd to becoming a true disciple of Jesus. You see, we all realise that in order to accomplish anything, anything significant in any sphere of life, we have to exercise a degree of self-denial. I remember back in the year 2000, Nick and I had the opportunity to go to some events at the Sydney Olympics. Now, standing in that Sydney Olympic Stadium was amazing. There were 116 thousand spectators in the the stunning purpose-built grandstand. But as we were there for the 100 metre final, there were only eight runners in the 100 metre final. Now, everyone could watch the race, but only those that had paid a price in training could actually run in that race. We know that those athletes, those eight athletes, man, They made enormous sacrifices to even just get to the Olympics, let alone to win a medal. We know that they denied themselves a normal life because they decided something mattered more to them. We expect people to deny themselves certain things, you know, when it comes to excelling in sports or in academic study or in pursuing a career or in establishing a business. We know that in order to choose one thing, that is most important to us, we have to not choose a whole lot of other things. And Jesus says that to follow Him, we must deny ourselves. You know, the question is, what does it really mean to deny yourself in the 21st century? What does this mean? I grew up in a very strict kind of Greek Orthodox culture. So when I hear that phrase, like deny yourself, I get triggered. I I can like break out in hives because I'm immediately imagining a particular form of asceticism. I'm thinking of the monks on Mount Athos or maybe Gandhi or Mother Teresa. And I ask myself, look, are we supposed to give up all earthly possessions, disconnect from the internet, don't eat certain foods, don't do anything that we enjoy, wear clothes that are not in fashion, live in some sort of extreme simplicity and basically ignore the world into which Jesus has sent us to go and make disciples. You see, it could be so confusing and profoundly guilt-inducing, especially if we've got 
families that would be drastically affected by this kind of self-denial. After all, most of us have got bills and most of us have got mortgages and student loans and people would probably come after us if we moved to a commune. See, this concept of self-denial can be profoundly daunting. So I want to say upfront that I don't believe Jesus is asking us to ever, ever deny our humanity or our personhood when He invites us to deny ourselves. Denying yourself is not hating yourself. It's not minimising yourself. It's not rejecting yourself or neglecting yourself. What we must deny is our self-trust and our self-sufficiency and our self-will because it's by doing that that we will actually, actually have the life that we are so deeply longing for. Jesus has so much more for us than what our self promises to give us. I think what Jesus is saying in this text is that if we are going to follow Him, we must learn to say no to ourselves and yes to God, mostly within the context of our normal everyday lives, our normal everyday choices and our normal everyday decisions within the sphere of influence that He has placed us. When it comes to what we do with our time and Will we say no to ourselves and yes to God? When it comes to what we do with our talent, will we say no to ourselves and yes to God? When it comes to what we do with our resources, are we willing to say no to ourselves and yes to God? When it comes to what we do with our desires, are we willing to say no to ourselves and, and yes to God? When it comes to how we react to things, are we willing to say no to ourselves and yes to God when it comes to how we treat other people? Are we willing to say no to ourselves and yes to God when it comes to making plans for our future? Will we say no to self and yes to God when it comes to giving our opinions? Will we say no to self and yes to God when it comes to obeying the Word of God, are we willing to say no to self and yes to God when it comes to helping and serving other people? Are we willing to say no to ourselves and yes to God? When it comes to our thought life, will we say no to self and yes to God? When it comes to the way we conduct our business affairs, are we willing to say no to self and yes to God? And when it comes to how we parent our children, are we willing to say no to self and yes to God? Or when it comes to our health or our fitness, are we willing to say no to self and yes to God? When it comes to any and every aspect of our lives, are we willing, ultimately, are we willing to say no to self and yes to God in our seemingly ordinary lives? Are we willing to obey Jesus and to live our lives His way and not our own way? Are we willing to sacrifice what is good for us to do for what is good for all? Are we willing to prioritise other people above ourselves? Are we willing to deny ourselves some short-term gratification in order to honour God? Are, are we willing to love others instead of hate? Are we willing to offer forgiveness instead of judgment? Are we willing to choose generosity over greed or peace over chaos? 
Are we willing to choose kindness over revenge? Are we willing to treat our material and financial resources as gifts to be shared rather than possessions to be hoarded? Are we willing to give our time to serve others rather than ourselves? Are we willing to see every other human being as a fellow image bearer and honour them as such? Are we willing to live our lives for the glory of God and not for our own? Are we willing to fight against injustice and not to turn a blind eye to what is happening on the earth? See, this is not a one-time, big, noble, heroic act that Jesus is inviting us into. When He invites us to deny ourselves, it's actually in a thousand small ways every single day. Uh, sometimes I find it easier to deny myself, you know, to help rescue the victims of human trafficking through all the work we do with A21. That's easier than to be patient with my husband or my kids. You know, the challenge of denying myself and following the ways of Jesus in my normal everyday life is often much harder. And yet this is the invitation that Jesus offers me. So the truth, the, you know, the absolute truth is, that we will not consistently choose to deny ourselves if we don't truly believe that what God has for us and given to us is not more satisfying and fulfilling than what we can get and do for ourselves. I wanna remind each and every one of us today that Jesus Christ came to give us life and life more abundantly. We read this in John 10.10. 10. The Bible teaches us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James 1.17. In, in Psalm 84.11, we read that the Psalmist reminds us that no good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You know, we often think we're going to find joy or peace or hope or value or significance or security and fulfilment by doing what we want, how we want, whenever we want. But our deepest longings are only ever going to be ultimately met in Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, In Him is the fullness of joy. Ephesians 2.14 says, He Himself is our peace. He loves and accepts us in a way that no other person ever can and no other person ever will. Denying ourselves is not so much about restricting us, but rather protecting us from following a path that does not lead to abundant life. True hope, true significance, true security, true purpose, true flourishing, true peace and true joy come from Jesus alone. And so when He invites us to deny ourselves, I know the message sounds so counter-cultural because everything in society, everything in culture, everything in media is built around this one thing, fulfil yourself, satisfy yourself, gratify yourself, find yourself, know yourself. And the fact of the matter is Jesus says, I'm actually inviting you into a higher way of life. I'm inviting you to greater fulfilment. I'm inviting you to greater flourishing. I'm inviting you to greater joy. I'm inviting you to greater peace. I'm actually the one that can help you be the best version of you. 
And the best version of you is the you that denies yourself. I know it's not a popular message in our world. I know it's not the thing that we all want to hear in a world of self-actualization and self-fulfillment and self-gratification. Jesus is saying, actually, that's the wrong way to go about what you think you need. What you think you need, you are only ultimately gonna find in me. And I love you so much. And I value so much and you so much. And you are created in my image and you are created for my glory and you are created to fulfill the good works that I put you on this earth to fulfill. And the best way that you can do that is to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you lose your life, you're going to find it. But if you try to save your life, try to do things your own way, try to do things the world's way, try to gratify your flesh, it actually is going to take you down a road that seems right, Proverbs says, but in the end, it leads to death and destruction. It will not bring the joy you're looking for. It will not bring the peace you're looking for. It will not bring the hope you're looking for. It will not bring the security you're looking for. It will not bring the significance you're looking for. True life alone can only be found in Jesus Christ. You were created by God for a relationship with God and it's Jesus that connects us to God and it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. If anyone would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Hey, thanks for listening. We really hope today's message has encouraged you. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. For links and more, you can go to christinecain.com. We'll see you next time.